Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The one thing you learn is when you can step out of your comfort zone and be uncomfortable, you see what you're made of and who you are. Sue Bird. So I didn't prepare that much physically to the to do the PCT, but for me the, the desert was like a school. You know, like from doing small mouth to doing that last week of uh, from Hachapi to Canadian Meadows was, you know, when you feel the you see you say I got my trail legs because I was doing and it's like very steep, very hot, very steep, no water, and I I feel I felt that I was I was killing it. Then I remember I was doing on average like 28 miles every day on that week. Then when I started the Sierras, I I was feeling so strong. And in my mind, I was like, it was because of the desert. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirapod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. We are going international this week. We are reaching down south across the border and inviting a, a, uh, a mountain climber and a PCT through hiker from the south, from Mexico, Lourdes Aguanaga. How's it going, Lourdes? Um, I'm very good. Thank you. How, how are you? I'm good. Did I mispronounce your, your last name? Is it Agua Naga or is it Agua Niga? It's Aguiniga. Aguiniga. Don't worry, even here, they always get it wrong. So, okay. okay. So I fit right in then. Very good. <laughs> All right. 
Hey, um, we only go by trail names here on the podcast. So I'm Doc. Um, I imagine with you being on the PCT for 2,600 miles that you may have picked up a trail name. Did you pick one up? Yes, I did. What is your trail name? My trail name is Tars. Like, you know, um, like this, I don't know if you know the, the road. Have you watched Interstellar? Yes. The movie with yes. Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. So there's this robot that, um, that I don't think, I think it, it says Anne Hathaway. It looked like a square, but it, it, it works funny. Uh-huh. So the story behind it is that uh, one of my friends said that I, I, I was going downhill and I was going really fast, but using my poles. I, I do like to use my poles a lot. So she said that I look like this robot. So I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was funny and cool. So yes, that's okay. my trail name. Okay. And what is, what is the name of the robot again? TARS. Like T-A-R-S. T-A-R-S. TARS. Okay. TARS. I, I can distinctly see the walking motion of that robot from Interstellar. <laughs> so like I have a good image in my mind of how you were going down that hill. TARS. <laughs> yes. Okay. TARS, have you listened to the podcast before? Yes, I have. Okay. So and- you're... I only ask because I want to make sure you're aware of a, of a, a segment at, towards the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week. That's when I will turn to you and ask you to share some bit of wisdom uh, for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So you ready for that? Yes. Okay. Very good. Do you have a favorite episode? Um, I've listened, well, I actually listened first to the one of Jeff Garmeyer, the first time that you had edited him and on the podcast, he mm-hmm. was talking about his triple, uh, the triple crown, the calendar uh, triple crown. And I also listened to the one of Little Skittle. Okay. Those are two good episodes. <laughs> yes. Very good. And we are talking tonight. I'm in Southern California. You are in central Mexico in yes. San Luis Potosi. Yes. Is that, is that close? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, that's right. That's okay. That's, Which is about five hours from Mexico City? Yes. Okay. Mexico City. How big is that town? Uh, it's, it is big. It's a city. It's like 1.5 million people. Oh, okay. Yes. From our earlier conversation, I thought maybe it was a little bit smaller because you're telling me that you are the first person from your hometown to hike the PCT. Yes, but I think it's more about um, the the outdoors culture in Mexico. Not a lot of people know what true hiking is. So, um, as far as I know, um, this um, there's another there's another girl who did the PCT before me. Um, but as far as I know, I'm the second one who has done it. But the, this um, and then this year another girl also did it. But when when you tell people about um, what that you want to do the PCT or that the these trail or these long trails exist uh, in the in the in the US, they don't understand what it is. Mm-hmm. So every time I talk with people, it's they it comes always to very basic questions about like where do you sleep, or or the food, um, the shoes like very, very basic questions. Okay. So I'm right now, I'm changing my notes right now. Make sure that I don't ask those questions that I ask some, some better questions of you, but no, I'm kidding. I I, I have some good questions for you. And <laughs> yes, because, 
because of the the uh, the culture in Mexico and not being necessarily an outdoor adventure type culture, I am I am very interested interested to hear about how you became involved in outdoor adventure. But we'll get to that. That's in a little yeah. bit. I've got some questions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are a little bit of a celebrity in your hometown because of uh, your experience on the PCT. Um, also, another segment here. We'll start getting into some some specifics on uh, on hiking and gear. Because uh, another feature that we do on the podcast is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Tars, what is your must bring piece of gear for the trail? I would say it has to do with uh, my shoe system. So I have to pick one. I would pick, I know I have to pick one because I would do my, my shoes and my and my socks. I'm going to pick the socks, which I, th- those are toe socks, um, the ingenious. Um, so it's a must because I actually didn't have any bad blisters during all the PCT. <laughs> I did have like maybe small little blisters, but I know that a lot of people struggle with blisters in, the, in their fingers. And actually, when I started with mountaineering, I was getting these, uh, I was getting blisters, especially when I was uh, leaving the mountain, when it was a downhill uh, to, back, to go back to my car. Then when I, uh, when I discovered the uh, ingenious, I was using the same boots still and I forgot about the blisters. They're amazing. Yeah, it's magical when your feet don't bother you at all. You're able to focus on the fun stuff out there. But if your feet hurt, if you're in pain with your feet, it's no fun. Yes, especially seeing everybody like suffering with blisters. And I, I this didn't happen for me. Nice. Yeah, you are not the first person to mention in Jinji toe socks. I gave them a try this past uh, this past summer on a 125-mile hike, and they were phenomenal. They did it. They did a great job. Yes, I, I usually don't like this uh, for like n- my normal life, the toe, the toe soak thing, mm-hmm. but it's just like the way they work. I don't get any blisters in, uh, in my toes. So okay. That's the purpose. So All right. Since, since we're talking about feet, uh, trail runners or boots for the trail PCT? Runner. Trail runner. And do you have a, do you have a favorite brand? I, I use Hoka's and uh, the speed coats. Okay. Hoka's very good. You know, I, I have not used Hoka's on the trail. I did just get a pair of Hoka's for uh, street running and I've got a marathon coming up in two days, three days down in San Diego that I'm, I'm using my Hoka's in and I'm, I'm very happy with the Hoka's. They are a good product. Yeah. I have a, uh, I have a friend who also tried them for a marathon that he just ran, I think last week and he loves them too. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I, I feel even more confident now heading into Sunday. <laughs> that's great good luck <laughs> thank you now let's talk about the rest of your gear what uh what was your base weight uh for so the pct my, my base weight i did weight i weigh i weighed my backpack i didn't weigh anything until one day before leaving to the u.s so i i just wanted to know that um if it was too heavy then if I uh, I wanted to see if I could train something, but I, I weighed everything one day before and it was um, below 12 pounds. So yes, it was actually uh, pretty light, I think. 
Okay, yeah, that is a yeah, good so way. That's, that's how it started. And then I never waited it again on the during the whole trail. I think maybe in the desert at the beginning, it might have waited a little bit less, but then I'm sure it waited more because then I started, in, since I didn't have a lot of things to drop, I, I, instead of dropping things, I was picking more things. So yes, because for example, I picked a pillow in Oregon. <laughs> You picked up what? A pillow. Oh, a pillow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's important. A full-size pillow or an inflatable pillow? Inflatable pillow. Yeah. yeah. The Nemo Philo, um, the, the small one, because I, I yes, I, I don't know. There's like a difference. Uh, it's, it's a pillow that they have two sizes and mm -hmm. I picked the small one, of course. Okay. Now let's talk about your sleep system. Do you, did you, uh, are you a back, um, I'm sorry, a... A uh, sleeping bag or a quilt? Quilt. Quilt, okay. Yes, quilt, but I actually bought uh, some enlightenment equipment, uh, 10 degrees, and I actually bought it specifically for the PCT. I think this was the, uh, this was the most expensive thing that I had to buy for the PCT. The, th the rest of the things, most of them, I already had them. Mm -hmm. uh, and f for this and then I tried uh, I tried it I tried it once I went to I went to the mountain on December to the Ista uh, and it was good so yes okay uh, and what, what was it rated down to what temperature uh 10 degrees 10 degrees Fahrenheit Fahrenheit okay yes. all right and that was the most expensive piece of gear that you had yes got yes, it that I had to buy mm -hmm. I, I mean my, I had a, I had a Nemo tent, one person, the Nemo Hornet, but, but I already had it, um, from one or two years before. So I didn't have to buy a tent for, for the, specifically for the PCT. Okay. So we, we have the quilt, the enlightened equipment, uh, 10 degree quilt. We've got the Nemo Hornet, one person. What was your backpack? Uh, Waymark. I had a Waymark. Okay. Uh, I think it's a light one. Yes which I actually didn't see a lot on trail, but yes, I loved it. If I, I would, I would always say, I would always brag about my bag because I mean, we, we, we as hikers love to brag about our, our gear when we love it. And I did love it. I would always say that if anybody would want to uh, give me another backpack, I would say, no, I would just stick with my Waymark. Okay. And what was the capacity of the Waymark? How many liters? I think it was 48 liters. So it was, this was, so I was used to, um, I was using frame, uh, frame backpacks, mm -hmm. specifically Osprey, but since I was doing more mountaineering than hiking, um, that made more sense. So I decided to get this one uh, to do the, uh, to do this uh, transition to a frameless backpack, because otherwise I think if I I, I buy another one maybe I would go with a, a less capacity. Yeah, I think when when you have more capacity, uh, you have a tendency you want to put more stuff in it, right? And so uh, it just keeps adding up. I think if you if you have a smaller capacity backpack, then you're forced to make choices and you know. Yes make sure that you're, you're not uh, putting too much in there. Yes. And I would um, almost always find myself rolling almost all the top. So that's why I say that maybe I could get, have a less capacity. Yeah. You had some extra room there. 
Yeah, the good thing is that with these 48 liters, I could put my bear canister inside of the backpack. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, and then I found that, uh, that it was more comfortable than put it on the top. Yes, because I started uh, putting it on the top, like you see everybody doing it. Right, right. All right. Hey, let's back up a little bit. I, I really want to get into uh, your background, where you grew up. Did you play sports and hobbies when you were growing up? And then how did you get involved? This is the, the very interesting part for me. How did you get involved in through hiking and mountaineering, uh, being from a, a, a town or an area where, you know, that wasn't a, a big emphasis with everybody? So tell us about uh, where you grew up. Yeah, so I, I grew up in the city, San Luis Potosí, uh, that we mentioned. Um, I actually didn't grow up doing any outdoor activity at all. And not only me, but not, I don't have any family that do, does, here, does this here. Like um, None of my friends did it. But it was until I moved to Mexico City that I saw, I saw another friend that was doing some mountain activities and I was very curious, but I actually wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't looking to, to do mountaineering because I actually looked, uh, I, I thought that it was, it looked so difficult that I could never do something like that. Um, so I, I wanted only to go camping, but I didn't know anything at all. So what I did is that uh, I joined a mountaineering club in Mexico City from a, um, a university, like one of the biggest universities in, in Mexico. And that's how I learned, uh, how I started with mountaineering activities. So there was, it, it was very good because it was a, a course of, um, of 15, uh, 15 weekends. And then uh, every two weekends we did, um, uh, hiking, uh, sports climbing, uh, speleology, canyoneering, and mountaineering. And from then, what I liked the most was mountaineering. And since uh, around Mexico City, there are like you have very very high mountains. Then I started to go into these mountains, and it changed my mind from going like I could never do something like this to going slowly like yes I can do this, and it's like it's the first time that I, I remember that I, I went to this mountain that it's called, it's about, most of the mountains around Mexico are volcanoes. So this one is called Nevado de Toluca. I remember that I was getting to the top and I felt so alive. I felt, I felt, I was feeling like this is living. This is what, a, what living it really is. And I remember, and I had these moments, um, that this period that I was like, why didn't I have this, in my life before, because I feel that I was, I uh, that I wasn't living before, that I was just, I don't know, living the, go, get, letting the life pass. <laughs> right, and and for our listeners out there who may not be watching this on YouTube, you really need to stop and go to the YouTube video of of this interview because her face just lit up as she was talking about this. I mean, she completely transformed. She, she's got this big old smile on her face and she's talking about Nevado de Toluca, which is 15,350 feet high. And so this is, this is a hundred, almost a hundred feet taller than, than Mount Whitney, which is yeah. the, the tallest mountain in, in uh, the continental United States. So it is, uh, I mean, just seeing her look, the look on her face, this was a transformational experience. I can tell. Yes, it was. Yes. It changed. Like for me, there's 
uh, yes, there's like a before and after uh, start, I started doing mountaineering and doing outdoors activities. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what are you, what are you doing currently to pay the bills? What do you do for a living? So right now I don't have a job, <laughs> but before that I was working uh, in a, in a, um, I was doing a strategic planning and I had a very corporate, corporate job from nine to five. Very, uh, so um, in a big CPG company back in Mexico City. Okay. Yeah, so I worked there for almost seven years. And um, so I quit to do the PCT. I, I did really like my job. I, I hear a lot in, on the PCT that a lot of people quit their job and do the PCT because they didn't like the job. They, were, they wanted to make a change in their life. But I did really like it. I actually look, um, I want to go back to uh, do the same thing, strategic planning. Um, but next year I'm going to move to Spain to do an MBA. And it's going to uh, build in on the same career path. Wow, congratulations, Spain. Have you been to Spain? Um, yes, just like for a couple of days to Madrid too. Okay, there's some hiking in Spain too. Yeah, there's uh, Camino de Santiago. So that's right. I will, I will probably I'll, I will try to do that one, and and there's I think another one in um, uh, like in the south uh, in Mallorca. Mm-hmm. So yes, I I still don't have like any specific plans about uh, the uh, Camino de Santiago, but for sure I want to do it after the PCT. I want to keep doing more trails. Okay, now the Camino is much different than the PCT. Yes, yeah. yes. You get <laughs> you actually get to easier. get to eat dinner, have have uh, have a drink, or have some dinner in a in a in a local uh, town. Uh, it's a it's a lot uh, less remote than the PCT. Yes, for sure. Like it sounds way easier. I mean, there are more trails in Europe. Like you know, there's uh, one in Israel and also in Croatia. Um, but I have to look into that. I have to see what my situation in, in my life is to be able to do it. If I were to stay here in Mexico City, I would, I think I would plan to do trails in the, in the U.S. Like the JMT for sure. I, I would like to, I would love to do the JMT. Now you mentioned Croatia, you know, the Croatian long trail was created by uh, Nikola Horvat, and we had him on the podcast. And he put that trail together after hiking the PCT. He wanted to do something in his country similar. And there aren't a whole lot of people yet that are that are hiking the Croatian Long Trail, and they get pretty uh, pretty good uh, hometown service up there. When when people know that that there are folks hiking the Croatian Long Trail, the locals kind of coordinate and do a lot of trail magic out there. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, very cool. Very cool. I did see. I haven't. I'm going to. I, I have to hear that. I have to listen to that episode. I did see. I think I saw it on the descriptions on the on this uh, podcast, but I haven't listened to it. Yeah, it's a great. He he is a great interview. He was a lot of fun to talk to. I found him through his video that he put together, kind of a little documentary, and it was called, you know, Why Do I Hike? And it was pretty pretty deep, pretty thought provoking. And so he did a great job in the interview too. So yeah, take a listen. Okay. Yes, for sure. Okay. Now I have in my notes here, something about rugby. Are you a rugby player? I used to be, I want to, I totally want to get back to it, but I, I switched it for the mountaineering. 
<laughs> I was playing rugby. I played for one year and a half. And I actually was very happy, but I was very curious about this mountaineering. And I I decided not to play uh, the season to take this course of uh, this 15 weekend course uh, in this association. And, and, and then I stay in the mountains. <laughs> so, but I'm, I, I hopefully can uh, uh, take that too in Spain because also here in Mexico, it's very, very small rugby. I was going to ask, is rugby a big thing in, in Mexico? I hadn't heard, I hadn't known about that. It is not, it's not, it's not very big. It's like, it also the, like the community is so small that you can, it's so small that I know, uh, I have friends that are in the national team and it's just because there's like, yes, because the community is so small that me, that I, uh, I just play for a little bit, I'm able to be friends with them. So that's how small it is. Yeah. Rugby, those guys, those, those guys and girls, they are tough. I mean, you look at American football, they've got all these pads on and helmets and uh, <laughs> rugby. It's nothing. It's, it's their shirts and shorts and they are, there's some serious contact going on out there. Yes. And there's a lot of pride about just keep playing until you can. Yeah. If it, if it hurts. Yeah, it's a pretty macho sport, which I, that that fits with Mexico, right? I mean, it's, there's there's some machismo down there. <laughs> yes, but I think it's not actually. I think it's rugby. It's the opposite. I think it's very gentleman, a very gentleman sport. Um, yes, because I don't know. There's the first time that I went to a rugby match. It it was because my friend. Um, my friend took me. My friend took me to a rugby match, and his friends were playing there uh, against, I think, Guyana. Um, it was they, they were in the national team, and I remember. So I don't know if you know that Mexico is very famous about this cheer that it has in soccer. That it, it has been sanctioned because it's kind of homophobic. The the cheer, but anyways. There was a guy, so since rugby is not big here, the matches are for free. Anybody can walk in and watch, uh, and watch the match. Mm-hmm. So there was this guy who was about to do this cheer uh, against the other team. And then there uh, another guy who played rugby who said, hey, stop, like, don't do that. And he said, hey, this is Mexico. This is our culture, our cheer. And then the other guy said, I know, but this is rugby, and the first thing that you do is to respect your opponent. So don't do that. So I think like the rugby spirit is amazing because there's like a, a lot of like um, respect first, like to 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 your opponent, and um, yes, and there you have like this sisterhood or brotherhood with your team that I don't see. Like I hadn't seen in any other sport before. Now, Tars, there's a movie in this somewhere, or at least a, a Netflix or an Apple series. You know, you, you have Ted Lasso over in uh, coaching soccer in Europe. You, have you seen Ted, Ted Lasso on Apple TV? No, 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 I haven't. Okay, so you, you, you don't, you're not getting my reference here. But uh, <laughs> basically, it's a, it's a series, a very popular series on Apple TV where they've taken a a college football coach, American college football coach. And he has gone over to England 
to Mm -hmm. coach a premier league soccer team. Mm -hmm. And uh, he is very kind of uh, down home wisdom, very common sense, friendly guy. And it's all about him building team chemistry and, and uh, it's a, it's a great series. You should check it out if you have a chance, but as you're, as you are going through the description of rugby and uh, respecting your opponent and the culture in Mexico and trying to overcome, you know, that, that, uh, that cheer and and other things that just, it just struck in my mind, this would be a perfect uh, movie or, or a series opportunity. (laughs) That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about uh, these courses that you took in mountaineering. It was 15 weeks. Every other week, you guys were out uh, doing some kind of climbing activity. The other times where you, the weekends that you wouldn't go climbing, was it, is it more kind of like classroom activities? Um, it was, and um, I think like for every, so it would divide into these five activities that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it would be like two weekends. And then I think the first day, uh, it was uh, yes it was in a classroom to to explain very basic things and even the equipment that you use because it changes from all of these activities and then the other three days it was very oh maybe the second day it was very uh, practical in the university about you know doing rappelling about doing some basic knots and then the second weekend it was going to the mountain to do one of these activities. Mm-hmm. The only one that I think it was uh, the three three days out, outside was sports climbing. Yes, and yes, but the other the other ones ah, and mountaineering actually because it was uh, first going to um, yes to ne- to Nevado de Toluca and then to Ista. Yes, so okay, no. this that was. Uh, one that I took and then the following year so in 2019 mm-hmm. um, it was only mountaineering so in this so for this one during three months I was going to the mountain every weekend but also we were on well also it was in between and learning how to do also notes and then it was um I, I don't re- I don't I don't remember how to say this in in English, but also like when you put um, we learn how to save someone if you know if it goes into a crevasse. Uh, yes, into a in a crevasse mm-hmm. uh, to save a person. But it was like um, also in the school, and then we would go to the mountain, and then finally the last part was going to Pico de Orizaba. Yeah, tell us about that because we talked about Nevado de Toluca being at fifteen thousand three hundred fifty feet, but that was not the highest point that you reached. No, it was um, yeah. So it was Pico de Orizaba, which is like eighteen more than eighteen thousand feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so for this one, it was so. So this one, it seemed like before. I never thought that I would do this one because it was it, it is really really difficult. So the good thing is that we were training almost going um, to um, only to Iztaccíhuatl. So Ista, I'm going to say because so it's easier. Yeah, for our listeners out there, Ista is at 17,160 feet and Pico de Orizaba is 18,491 feet. Yes. Okay. So I got a lot of credit on the PCT when I would mention that I had done this month. <laughs> Um, 
so yes, so I was uh, I, I was going to the ISTA almost every weekend and uh, training there and going uh, there. So um, sometimes then you would get so uh, really bad weather and then um, um, yes, like I spend like a lot of like cold nights, very uncomfortable. But then all of that helped me to do to do Pico de Orizaba. So Pico de Orizaba, we uh, I started or we started like at midnight, like twelve at twelve, and then we were going to the we were arriving at peak around eight a.m. eight thirty a.m. So it was uh, eight to nine hours ascent. And then the descent, I think I, we were arriving, I think like at three, like at 3 p.m. again to the base of the, of the mountain. So it was really difficult. That's a full day. The thing about the Pico de Orizaba is that half of the way is like, um, you know, like a mountain that you, um, there are parts that you have like this sand that you feel that you're stepping and you like that you kind of you don't advance anything because you're going because you're sliding. Uh, but then are, there are also parts that uh, that are very walkable. And then uh, at the midpoint, you arrive to the gla- glacier. Once you're in the glacier, you have to be like in full shape. You cannot do the full glacier like I'm kind of dying or feeling bad because actually the glacier is a really hard part because the glacier is just it's just a peak the thing is that for example Iztaccíhuatl it also takes a lot of time but it's just like mountains that are you're going a little bit up and down Pico de Orizaba Pico means peak and it's it's exactly like it's exactly that shape a peak that you're only going up you're not uh, you're not going like around uh, the mountain or uh, or going down again. You're only going up. So yeah, yes, you're zigzagging to make it uh, to make it easier. But you're only going up in a glacier glacier where you only see white. So suddenly so you think like this is not ending because you think that, it, that like you can see the peak or the summit and then it's not there. So you keep uh, you keep going. Um, yeah, but it was good. Actually, uh, some of my friends said that they felt that they were not going to make it. And for me, I thought just like, of course, like I was so very once once I did it, I was very in the mind of doing it, like very head uh, set to do it. And but the, the I think the last hour I was just like a zombie walking up to this uh, to the uh, to the summit, and then once I was there I cried because it was so difficult. Like I was just like, oh my god, finally I'm here. Um, yeah, so it was very difficult. And just like to compare it, I don't think I had a difficult such a diff- like a difficult uh, day as difficult as that one on the PCT. I was going to ask, I was going to ask how that compared to your worst day on the PCT. The thing is that it is very different because the, the hard thing about the PCT, the doing the PCT or a true hike is that you have to do it all over again. I mean, you don't do such a hard day as that one. You can do very hard days, especially in the Sierras or in Washington too, but then you have to do it again. 
uh, like every like you you just do that every day every day and day I, after day right yes day after day and um in in comparison if you do a mountain like this at pico de orizaba you do it the weekend and then the next day you can go back to your bed and, then, and, and rest for the whole week maybe um maybe again the next weekend another mountain so it's it's just like true hiking is hard but because it's just like your life is walking like every day right now when you started the classes the 15 weeks um how much time from that first class to when you did pico um one year after i think one year after and were you in pretty good shape when you did pico uh, I was in good shape because, yes, I think I was in good shape, but because I was going to them like, previ- uh, th- uh, during this past, uh, those previous months, mm-hmm. I was going to the mountains too. Okay. Were you strictly, uh, were you strictly training just doing mountain activities or were there, were there other types of training that you were, you were doing? Were you also running during the week or other types of fitness? Yes. We, like, yes. Running, running, especially but mostly that. And then what I would recommend for anybody who wants to do mount, like mountaineering, like more than running, I think sit-ups, it is the best uh, exercise to train for a mountain. Oh, I hate sit-ups. <laughs> I don't, I, okay, so I actually don't like running, <laughs> but I do run. I've always said that I run for a necessity <laughs> just because it's, it's always, it always, it's like the means to do something else. To That's do volunteering, right. to play rugby, to do fun activities. To eat a big hamburger. That's why, <laughs> that's why I run. <laughs> yes, that's a good reason. To. <laughs> okay. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the PCT hike. I can't wait to hear about this. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muirpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. 
then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Tars. Just heard a lot about uh, some rugby and some mountaineering. And I'm really curious to hear about how you made the transition from mountaineering to through hiking. How did that all take place? So I actually, um, I actually heard about the PCT for the first time because a friend did it in 2018, which was the year that I took this mountaineering course, basic mountaineering course. But when he did it, I thought, like, I thought he's crazy. I could never do something like that. Okay, now let's stop right there just for a second. So your friend, he tells you that he's going to hike the PCT. Did you know what the PCT was when he told you? He didn't tell me. He, I just started seeing all his uh, photos on Instagram or that he was not on Instagram. I, I think on Facebook, he was uh, describing his day by day on, on the uh, on the PCT and um, I don't know, like, I think his brother posted something, a, a photo that said that my brother is doing th- this. He's walking from Mexico to, uh, yes, from Tijuana to Canada. And, um, and what did you yeah. think when, when you realized that there was a trail that goes from, from Mexico to Canada? I mean, I thought it was amazing that it, that thing existed, but I don't know. The thing is that the way that he was doing it, I think... It was very crazy for me that I didn't think I would ever do the PCT. But actually, it was because I uh, I watched um, the Whimsical Woman's videos. She made a video. Um, I don't know if you know her, but she the, made a the video. Whim- the Whimsical Woman. Yes, that's her. That's Smart her YouTube or YouTube. Okay. She made a video like every day of the PCT. And then when I watch, I watch all her videos and I say, wow, I think I can do this because I think like this girl is more like me and I can see also it, it gave me more of an idea. Like I could grasp more what the PCT was mm-hmm. because um, yes, you get like the idea that you stop in towns that you can meet a lot, uh, more people. And then if you see this girl doing it, then you say, okay, I can do it. Like I can do it. Uh, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. So I think like by the end of 2018 or if, um, or the beginning of 2019, I knew that I wanted to do the PCT like for sure, but I just didn't know when I would be able to do it. Okay. Now, did your mountaineering experience, your your time on ISTA and, and Pico, did that give you some confidence? I mean, you had thought yes, before probably. that, hey, you know, I, I could never do something like that. And then there you are standing at 18,500 feet. 
uh, crying at the top of a, of a, of an icy glacier. Uh, so did that help you, you know, totally. once you've done something like that, I mean, that's got to give you some confidence that you can, you can tackle just about anything. Totally. I actually, for the BCT didn't prepare a lot, like, and I knew because I was very busy with, uh, with, uh, with work also with, um, applying to the MBA to grad school. So before the PCT, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't mean, I even, I didn't even have like a list of my gear. I just had everything in the back of my mind. And when I first, I knew that I wasn't, um, for example, I didn't have even my, uh, my, uh, my resupply strategy. I only knew that I had, I, I could buy everything there. If I could, if I needed to send boxes, I would do it. But in terms of hiking, backpacking, camping, all of that, I was super confident. So that's, I think that's like the thing that worries mo- like uh, people the most, like, um, where am I going to come? What, what if something happens? And I was very comfortable being uncomfortable because in the, especially if you're doing mountaineering, it is very uncomfortable. Like it always happened that you are like at 1 a.m. getting out of your tent and think, what am I doing here? <laughs> so, um, so yes, I was I was just like very confident that okay I have I can take like my and like one step at a time my time to do like to to hike the PCT everything else I know how to do it so yes it totally helped me I was very confident about that because of the mountains now Tars I think you may have just struck upon something there I think you 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 talked about a an important life skill not just a hiking skill or mountaineering skill but if you're comfortable being uncomfortable, I think you can accomplish a lot. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's, a, that's a deep thought right there. Comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. Now, how did you get from, were you, were you living in Mexico City at the time or down in uh, your hometown? In Mexico City. Mexico I, City. So how, how far is the, how far is, is the starting point of the Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico City? Well, it's super far. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so you usually, um, so because of COVID, I had to fly to uh, to LA. Okay. So, so this is this is 2020 you did the hike? Uh, or 2021? Oh, 2021. Yeah. So I did it this year. You just finished this year. That's right. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yes. So yes, yeah, so because of COVID, the borders like the 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 borders are closed. Well, like the how do you say the the land borders are closed. Right. So usually, I would have taken a flight from Mexico City to Tijuana, and then to Tijuana you can take a bus to San Diego. But since they are closed, I had to fly from Mexico City to LA. Mm-hmm. Then take a train because I don't know why there weren't any direct flights to San Diego. Maybe also because of COVID, they closed them. Mm-hmm. So then from LA, I had to take a train to San Diego, and then from San Diego, the two buses to go to Campo. So it is from Mexico City is it is really far. I think you have to if you wanted to drive there. I think you have to, you would have to do at least twenty hours. Wow. Mexico is long. It is a it is a long country. There is a lot of land there. Yes, it is big too. Yes. yes. 
Okay. Now, so, so that's quite a track just to get to the starting point. Um, have you heard of, of uh, Scout, Scout and Frodo? Yes, I yes yes I heard of them. Um, but they they were not helping uh, foreigners because of the of I think they I don't know if it it was they were retiring and I uh, I think they were planning to do one last year. That's what year, I thought. Yeah, but because of COVID they didn't. Okay. So yes, I didn't. Um, I I didn't stay with them like everybody. I I I started in the southern terminals by myself. Nobody was there, and I think it was because I see the photos of uh, other uh, of other years, and you see like twenty people there taking a photo together. Right. And what was your start date? My start date was May fourth. May fourth. And when did you finish? September twenty first. Wow, yeah, just a, a month ago today. That's right. We're, we're recording on October 21st, yes. May 4th to September 21st. How many how many zero days did you take? I don't really know. <laughs> I didn't did, count them. Didn't count? Okay, that's good. No. You, you didn't weigh your pack after after you started the, the hike. You didn't keep track of your zeros. You just you just did your hike. Yes, I think in my life, like um in my life I was very very um detailed about in my work I had to be very mm-hmm. detailed uh, I, I was doing organizing a lot about uh, my MBA doing all of that and for me the PCT was just like a time to just relax to say I don't like I, um, I don't have to do what somebody, you know, task for somebody else. This is just for me. Right. You're just going to go out there and hike and enjoy and uh, not do too much planning and logistics. Exactly. Yes. Got it. Got it. Now, leading up to the hike, what was your longest um, through hike or, or longest multi-day hike? Mm, I think it was like three days. Wow. Um, yes. So, um, yes, I did this. And I actually, that way, I tested a lot, a lot of things, like the my hokas, for example, because, of course, I was not doing mountaineering with uh, trail runners. Right. I did do Nevado de Toluca with the trail runners once, also to try them. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't recommend them. Like, to go to the top, like, the last part is too steep. and You can feel it in your feet. Um um, but it was like it, it was three days, and it I think how much uh, I think it was like fifty five kilometers, which is uh, maybe it's like forty miles, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it wasn't long. So you went from three days, you being your longest hike, to May fourth to September twenty first. How many days is that? It was 140 days. 140 days. That's a big jump. What and and, and get, get going into this hike, uh, 2,600 miles. Your your longest previous hike was probably 40 miles. What were you worried about going into the PCT? Um, getting injured and not being able to finish. <laughs> Yes, I think that was my biggest fear. Like once I decided that, that I wanted to do it, I knew I could do it. I was very like I was sure. 
So it changed a lot from not thinking about it. I didn't go like halfway, just like, oh, let's see how far I go. No, I was just very set to do it, uh, set to do it all. Okay. So yes, I think, yes, my biggest worry was getting injured. Okay. What was your favorite part of the PCT? Uh, the Galicia and the Sierras. The Sierras? <laughs> yeah, the Sierra Nevada. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing how also the thing about the outdoors here in Mexico is that you don't have this culture. And it's very sad because you have these ama- amazing mountains where you have people from uh, other countries come to the, come to Mexico only to go to do Ista, to do Pico. Because, and then you don't have these like these national those are national parks but it's very different what a national park means here than in the u.s so seeing all of this area of the you know like also like sequoia national park like how it how remote is and it is remote because it's taken care of that you cannot get into that like just by driving your car and walking a few miles. So it, it, it was so remote. And I think that's why it made it so beautiful. It's just like, I always describe it like being in like a National Geographic video, but also the photos never, I would take my fo- I would take photos and I would think this doesn't make justice of what I have in front of my eyes. Uh, Tars, I've got a great story. I know my listeners are probably sick of me telling this story, but it is so good that I just have to tell it. I had a guest on, Jay Wilson, and we were talking about that very concept of, you know, you, you, you come back from these hikes and you go to parties, family parties, and your family sees you coming and they turn the other way and, and say, oh, this person's, you know, they, they're going to come talk to me about hiking. I don't want to talk about hiking. So they, they run to the other room or, or whatever. But you, when you finally get somebody cornered and you say, you know, it was so gorgeous. There. It was beautiful. Here, look at these pictures. And you pull out your phone and you show them the picture and they look at the picture and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. And you're like, no, no, it's not nice. It is. It is fantastic. It is unbelievable. It is so beautiful. It hurts. To, to be in that moment and yet they don't get it they say yeah i, I, I yeah that's right yeah it's it's pretty and you're it's like not. no it's, it's not it's not pretty and jay jay had the perfect way to phrase this he says that uh thousand word pictures uh don't do justice to million word places so you know you know the saying that a picture is worth a thousand words Yes. Okay. So that's, ah. that, that's fine for okay. a thousand word places, but for a million word places, it doesn't, it, it doesn't come across. Yes. Totally. Yeah. So very, very frustrating. And uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. I, I remember, but yes, the thing is that when you take those photos, you appreciate them more because you were in, in, in that place. And I remember that I was even, I was still not out of the Sierras. I was in Mammoth and I saw my photos and I, I still couldn't believe that I had been there. It's unbelievable. That's right. The only way you get to take that photo is by walking hundreds of miles and putting in all that effort to be in that spot to exactly. take that picture. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So your favorite spot was in the, in the Sierras. What was your least favorite spot on the PCT? 
Um, I think uh, Oregon a little bit. I, the beginning, you know, from Norca, like the like the 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 first miles of you know, of Oregon. I think um, because I mean it's everybody says that Oregon is flat. It is not actually flat. It's like kind of flat. But the thing, I don't think like I I. I felt like the same, just I I feel like for some like a couple of days, I felt like I was doing the same with a like peaks and not peaks like literally in the terms like you're going up, but also like peaks, I think also because I'm a person of views, I, I live for the views. And then you kind of have like these green tunnels and without uh, any views. So yes, sorry, Oregon. <laughs> All you people in Oregon, don't take that personally. So I, I think yeah, I, know, I think I, it got better. <laughs> yes. So miles. So you say you live for the views. So you you you're you want to get to a point where you can see spectacular sights, right? Yes. And in Oregon, you're you're in the trees for a lot of the time, right? Is that uh, yes, fair? especially the the beginning of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yes, and also uh, the thing is that. Uh, for some some parts that you have around sisters, um, since you know the this season there were like a lot of fires. Yeah. Um, there were some days that you could, wouldn't see the blue sky. You would see like always all, all this gray sky, and sometimes you wouldn't. I remember that that some a, a friend, another hiker, said that like this is. Um, this is my Oregon. You would see the uh, God hooks and the photo that it shows what the view you're supposed to see, and you wouldn't see anything because of all the smoke. You you kind of see, you could have see you you kind of saw the mountain, but you didn't get that spectacular view because it was so smoky. Right, right. I'm gonna come back to the fires in just a second. But did you do the Oregon challenge? No. I didn't. No. No. No Oregon challenge. No twenty-four hour challenge. I was just like. Uh, you were just you were just hiking your hike. Yes, totally. Yes, I mean I was uh, also in a mood that I did. I I didn't feel like doing it. I had like uh, I don't know. Just like after also like the fires, since I had to skip a lot of miles because of the Dixie fire and. I think that was like my lowest point. So I did California and then Oregon. I didn't feel like doing a challenge. I was just like, I, I need to keep going. I, I cannot do a challenge right now. Right. Now, this was a year of fires in Northern California and I believe in Oregon too, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, not on the PCT, but it was on Oregon. It was yeah. all of the fires were more to the east side of the state. The PCT is a little bit more on the west side, so all but you go, would get all the smoke because of the wind, depending depending of the mm-hmm. on the wind. Yeah, and that is terrible being stuck in in smoky conditions like that. I mean, that's that's what you're trying to escape from. You're going out into nature to to be out in the clear air and and see these views, and, and to be stuck in that is just horrible. Yes, the thing is that this I don't know. I mean. The the smoke is annoying. Let's say it's annoying and maybe um, it gets you tired because I remember that there was this day in Oregon that uh, I did 30 miles and 
I was feeling really, really tired, like really tired, but I'm sure it was, uh, no, I mean, not tired because of the 30 miles. I felt like, I don't know, just, I think it was because of the smoke. Like you'd smoked a couple, couple of packs of cigarettes. <laughs> I don't smoke. So, but I mean, the smoke is annoying, but the bad thing, the worst thing was the, the, the actual fires that on, in North in Norcal were on the the Dixie Ferry was on the PCT. At some like at some point you couldn't it was closed like the the towns were closed that there was no way you could do the PCT, mm-hmm. and it it was even really hard to skip that that section because th- those uh, were not like big um, towns that you could just take a ride and 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 skip those miles. Mm-hmm. And I saw a headline about a month ago. I don't remember which paper, what, what publication it was. And I didn't actually read the article, but I, the headline was striking. It says, is, is, uh, is the PCT no longer hikeable because of climate change and the fires that are, that are taking place, which mm-hmm. was really, really depressing. Yes. So also, I don't know if, okay. So I don't know if you know, like the situation of this year in the Sierra Nevada, that there was no snow. Yeah, I was out there end of July, early August, and there was nothing on the ground. Yeah, so I mean, this of course com- comes from the. It was like a drought. So the, right. the I think it was like the second biggest drought in one hundred years mm-hmm. this year. So it was. You can see starting from the from the desert that it's uh, very dry. Then in the Sierra. A lot of people say, "Oh, it's easier. No, uh, no, no micro spikes." Yes, of course, it's physically easier, but that means that uh, there's like a background to this. It's because there, it, there's a drought, and that's why there's no snow. And then you're supposed to in Norcal fire season is to, which is already sad that there's a fire season. But it's supposed to start, I think, around August. And then this was around July. It was at some point they closed. Yes, they closed all of Norcal. And um, yes, everybody who was going Sobo has had to, to, to leave the trail. So yes, and also I remember that I was before Tahoe City, there was some point that I could see fire in like not fire but the smoke in front of the trail and I remember like my friends wanted to backtrack to leave but then we saw the map that was going okay the fire was here the trail is going the other way and then we just kept going so yes it's like the fire it it really affects a lot now the PCT and for me it was really a low point because I in my mind I thought this is not what I expected of this is not how I envision my, my hike. Yeah. Now, you said that your, uh, your least favorite spot was maybe Oregon. A lot of people would say the desert would say that, you know, the first 700 miles, is pretty, they're pretty tough miles. I mean, big water carries snakes, uh, the heat that didn't bother you. Uh, no, I think I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to the desert because so, as I said, like, I didn't, so I didn't prepare that much physically to the to do the PCT. But for me, the the desert was like a school. You know, like from doing small miles to doing 
that last week of uh, from Tehachapi to Canary Meadows was, you know, when you feel the you see you say I got my trail legs because I was doing and it's like very steep, very hot, very steep, no water, and I I feel I felt that I was I was killing it. Then I remember I was doing on average like twenty eight miles every day on that week. Then when I started the Sierras, I I was feeling so strong. And in my mind, I was like, it was because of the desert. Also, like, um, yes, one one thing is that I I don't think I suffer the heat as much as other people. And of course, it was hot, but I I saw I would see people taking breaks, and I would just keep going. So yes, toughed it out. Very good, very good. Hey, did you ever find yourself in a situation where you thought? Oh my gosh, what am I doing out here? Um, what have I gotten myself into? Are there any big uh oh moments for TARS out there? Uh, I think the most uncomfortable, like for that, or maybe not thinking what I'm what I, what am I doing here? I was just more thinking like I hope I don't get to that my like state of mind. It was like it was in Washington that it was like the weather started getting bad and it started raining and then it was turning cold. So I think like my superpower was that I, I can get through the, the heat. I prefer in Washington, I was like, I miss the desert. So I'd rather be sweating and all hot than being cold. I'm a baby for the cold. <laughs> yes, and, and even though I do mountaineering, I'm still like a baby. So yeah, so there was like these days that were really hard because of the because of the rain and the cold. And um, I was just thinking, I hope it doesn't it doesn't keep going like this for like day after day because then I will I don't want to go into that mindset of what am I doing here? I don't mm. want to be here. I don't, I didn't want to be in that mindset. But I think that was the closest I I, I got to be. Okay, so a mountaineer who does not like the cold. <laughs> very good hey did you i know you started the trail alone did you pick up any any friends along the way did you did you become part of a tramley or was it a solo venture the whole way um in the desert i was uh like um it was the time when i camp and hike by myself a lot um i was going from group to group uh, but then until Kennedy Meadows, I I joined like a group of uh, hikers that I had met before, and we did the Sierras together. And we fin- from the Sierras till the end, uh, we were together. Yes, I w- uh, I stayed with them. Okay, do you remember their trail names? Yes, it's uh, Fat Peanut, Tennis Mom, Shade, and Little Wing, uh, Mariposa. Okay, Fat Peanut and Tennis Mom. Those are those are good good trail names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, what what did you learn about yourself from the PCT? What you had uh, you've had you've had a month now to think about this. You're off the trail. What uh, what did you discover about yourself out there? Um, I think um, the most important thing is like to let things flow. Like I think things will just fall into place because um, 
Yes. So, especially this rule that we 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 would make rules on the like with my well with my family we would we would make rules on the uh, about the trail like rule number one what you really what the thing that you really need is on the bottom of your pack and then there was one rule that said like plants always change so this thing of plants always change it goes to hand like let things flow just everything will fall in place because yes I think like my life back home was like so planned like yes you know like work do the PCT do a master that it was like really really stressful and then on the on the trail it's like everything even if you think that oh let me I, I don't want to take an extra zero because I'm going to fall behind in the end you or I'm going to lose my friend like these friends that I just met you end up seeing them again, like everything falls into place, like just let things flow. And that goes to like being a little bit more relaxed on how to take things. So yes, I think that's very important. So, but I really want to get that and apply that to my real life. So Let it flow. Yes. Nice. All right. Hey, what's next for TARS? What's your next adventure? So definitely, so I want to do this. Uh, I want to go to the mountain, the, the mountains, this uh, couple of uh, months before I leave to Spain, and I will definitely go to uh, do Camino de Santiago because there, are, there. I know it's easier to do, and not only because you don't have to carry like all, all your life in your backpack, but also because there are different uh, routes that you can do like one week route or one month route. So, That's right, yep. Yes, let's see that, um, but definitely keep doing trials. So yes, of course, the PCT changed my, like it's an experience, like it, it's an adventure of a lifetime, but it also changes your life. Okay, any any aspirations for some big mountains in Europe? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course in Europe, I want to go to the Alps. But then actually before uh, doing Pico de Orizaba and training, like all this technical training wasn't only for Pico de Orizaba, but for doing a mountain in, um, in, in South America. So definitely I want to do that, but then I have to uh, start training and like technical training again. So I have to see, that's definitely a goal that I have in my life. In my life. Okay. Yes. It- and you have to get back into rugby. Yes. Okay. <laughs> hey, let's do a let's do a top five list real quick. We're gonna do a top five list on something we have not talked about, but I'm curious about. We can work this in this way. What are your top five types of food on the trail? What were what were your favorite food items? Uh, <laughs> so number one is cliff bars. Cliff bars, number one. Okay. So almost, so everybody would say, like, look at me like a little bit disgust to me, but I almost like, I ate cliff bars from the beginning till the end as my main snack. Okay. And I would still do it again. (laughs) So I I didn't get, like, they were so efficient and I liked them. I never, like, 
there are like a lot of flavors. I never got rid of uh, like tired of them. So I know a lot of people won't relate to this, but yes. So that's one. Another one is like ramen for dinner, but especially shin ramen. I wouldn't do, I would never do top ramen. <laughs> Always shin ramen or it has to be something else. Okay. Um, a third one would be apple cider. It was amazing. It was very soothing and it made you feel good. Uh, fourth one would be what else? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Just like candy, I think. Just, okay. just like gummies, these ring gummies. And uh, a fifth one. I don't know a fifth one. Um, so what I'm hearing is there was a lot of cliff bars and ramen on the trail for you. Yes. Okay. Keeping it simple. Yes. But shin ramen. Yes. I had like very, yes. In the Sierras, like a lot of people had difficulty feeding all their food in the red canister. And I was able to do it just because of the simplicity, very <laughs> classic hiker food, hiker diet. You could fit 124 cliff bars into your bear canister. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, but I don't remember how many I fit. I think I, I, I took like 24 cliff bars once, like in my very canister. Oh man. Too much, too much of even a good thing gets you, makes it, makes it, makes you sick of it. And you, you, that you didn't have that experience. You were cliff bar from day one to, to the very end. Yes. Also because I don't think you can find them here in Mexico. So I thought like, also I would think like, Oh, I won't even, see them in mexico again so it's okay weird. hey tars you know where we are uh i think that time of the pro tip <laughs> oh look at you yes you're you're right on schedule here that's right it's time for our pro tip inside of the week what little nugget of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better um definitely be in the moment like if you are on the in the outdoors in the mountain on the trail be there like your mind be there because i saw a lot of people who i even saw like a, a girl that was about to quit because she was very focused on on her problems uh back home things about her ex so you cannot do anything like that's the amazing thing about the pct that you get to disconnect and be like in this bubble of my magic bubble so just be in the moment also I think like I was there was a week for me that I was also worrying about things that I had to go do back when I would get back home and I was getting really stressed which didn't make sense so totally be in the moment ju just enjoy the moment because also you will miss it that's right it's absolutely a travesty to be out in the middle of all this beauty and you thinking about problems back home or what, uh, what problems are waiting for you back home. Exactly. You're, you're robbing yourself of that moment out there in, in, in the, uh, the glorious outdoors. Yes. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Tars. Want to thank her for joining us this week. Taurus, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your next adventures? So people can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Lulu Aguiniga. Um, yes, so maybe the 
<laughs> the last name a little bit difficult, but yes. Do you want to spell it for folks? Yes, it's uh, the well, it's Lulu in the Nagini guys A G U I N I G A. Okay. Very good. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Tars, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, some kind of uh, adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the outdoor experience. What do you have for us? Um, There is this document. Well, it's like a short film. It's about, I don't know if you've heard of Raramuris, these runners in the northern part of Mexico that run in sandals and do ultra marathons. So there's uh, there's this uh, film in, on Netflix that it's called Lorena. I think it's Lorena Lightweight Feet. Okay, like. Lorena Lightweight Feet? Yes, let me, I think I... Yes, Lorena Lightfooted Woman. It's okay. Called. So it's about this girl who has won ultramarathons worldwide, even in Spain, winning um, a number, like getting first place. And she runs in sandals. She has been approached by, um, um, I think, at Salomon sends her shoes and she still keeps running on sandals. Wow. Okay, I'll have to check that out. And before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What did I miss? Mm, I don't know. I can tell. I don't know if a question, but maybe I, I, oh, maybe like it's around the, like the toughest part of the PCT for me. Mm -hmm. So because you did ask about like, what if there was a point of like, what did I got myself into? It was not about the trail, but I did got sick. Like I got, I got shingles Ooh. on day, on day 10, I was in Idlewild. So I got shingles. I don't know if you know uh, like what this is. Yeah. It's kind of related to chicken pox and I hear it's, it's pretty painful. Yes. Yes. So I got shingles like in, in the um, day 10, I had to take five zeros five straight zeros maybe that's why I, de I decided not to count them because at, when you're starting it's really hard like you just want to keep going you, you don't want to take zeros and it was totally because of the life I was uh, having before the the trail I was very very stressed in my real life and and then I think my body like kind of relaxed also because of my immune system or my body um, getting used to the trail you know, the, like all these changes and then it came to shock. And then I, I, I had this, I was very sick. So that's why I say it's not, a, it wasn't about the trail, about walking, but it was really, really difficult. But then I feel very proud that even I, I got, uh, even though I got this, uh, I, I got sick with this, I still kept going and I finished the PCT. So really proud about this like in hindsight it's amazing to think that i got sick with that that's quite an accomplishment uh are you sad now that you're off the trail yes i it's weird to be here it's weird to see people 
And also I remember that when I was in Washington, I would say that I would never do a trail this long again, that I would maybe do a trail like three months long. But now that I'm here, if I could, if I could, I would do the PCT again next year. <laughs> it's funny how the mind works. The, the mind, uh, after a time, it forgets about the, the pain and the trauma and just remembers, mm-hmm. it remembers the good things and you yeah. focus on the good things and you end up doing stuff again like that. It was totally type to fun. And I like, I live, I live with this uh, saying all the time that it was totally like type to fun that I, because also that's, that's what mountain rain is that you're suffering. And then you remember, and you're going, you're on the car like going back home and you're already thinking like, so next, next week, what am I going to do? So yes, it's because I have plans already, but I think if I could, I would do it next year, the PCT, I don't know, or another trail, but I would even do the PCT again. Tars, you've done it again. I just realized something from which something you said that, you know, you talked about type two fun and, and um, you don't, you know, you're not having fun when you're doing it, but you, you have a lot of fun talking about it and remembering it. And that is what I just explained. I, I've, I've explained many times to people that, you know, the brain forgets the bad times and it, you just remember the good times. And that is essentially what's behind type two fun is that you, you've, you've, you know, you didn't enjoy it in the moment, but you forget about that stuff and you just remember the good stuff. So that you, you have put that together for me. So thank you. <laughs> Okay. Hey, any, any desire to be a triple crowner? I don't know. Like, I don't know right now. I know that I don't see myself doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I say that I want to do a trail like next year, if I could, uh, I think about the uh, PCT again or the CDT. But I don't know right now because like I, I have this, the, this plan of going back to school next year. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens. Uh, let's see what happens next. Like um, it's always like, it will be always in the back of my mind. Like when I did it, when I decided like uh, the PCT, it was in the, I didn't have like a moment that I'm doing it this year. But it was in the back of my mind. And when I saw the possibility that I could fit it in here, I did mm-hmm. it. So, yes, but right now I cannot say. Hey, Tars, I've got an idea. Just let it flow. <laughs> yes, so, yes, exactly, exactly. Let it flow. All right. <laughs> hey, that's a wrap from the John Freaky Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Tars? Yes, of course. Like, especially uh, my family who... Um, uh, who bought me shoes I didn't have to buy any of my 12 runners they always bought me uh, bought my shoes and uh, of course like my friends who follow the the PCT who once I saw them here I didn't have to do a wrap-off of my trail they were up to date were, uh, were of what I did nice all right thank you for tuning in always remember the trail is the trail It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're down to the last of your 124 cliff bars and you've got a bad case of shingles. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.
when you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.